after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Father, I pray that you would help us as we study your word. Speak to us, Lord, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject of the power of a plan. The power of a plan. As we suggested last week, and in fact, I even asked you this morning, how many of you have developed some goals for 2010. I've never been one who's been really, really overly excited about New Year's resolution, but I do tend to take this time to really evaluate where I am and try to chart a course for what it is that I want to see different coming into a new year. And many of us and many people uh, talk about goals that they have for the upcoming year. In fact, if I was to come and ask some of you, uh, most of you, I would, if I were to say to you, um, what are your goals for this year? Probably, more than likely, you'll be able to tell me what your goals are, which is a noble thing. Uh, everybody should have some form of goal. If you don't have some goals in your life, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You may have heard that phraseology. But then if I were to come back and ask you, okay, you have a goal, but what is your plan and how to get there? That's a whole entirely different question. Because I believe that many believers and many of us find ourselves stagnant or haven't been able to progress to the point that we are believing God for, to the point where we should be. It's not because perhaps we didn't have a goal. Well, perhaps... It's probably more than likely because, because we don't have a plan on how to get there. So funny thing I discovered that, and I don't know what it is, and maybe somebody can help me with this, but I, I, I find that believers, Christians, people who come to God, that it's almost like sometimes we become mentally lazy. You know what I mean? You know, you ever heard of people used to, Use the phrase, well, you know, you don't over-spiritualize things. And, and what, that, what that really means to me is that sometimes as believers, we just kind of sit back and say, well, I'm just going to trust God to, to do this. Well, I got goals this year. I'm believing God for, to get out of debt. That's a noble goal, right? But then yet... We say, I'm believing God to get out of debt, but we don't sit down and, and hammer out any kind of plan on how we're going to do it. We just think that for some reason, by osmosis, things are just going to happen. The Bible says, whatsoever a man doeth, he shall prosper. 
But the, the key is you got to be doing something. You have to come up with some kind of plan. The Bible says a man reap what he sows. The question is, what are you sowing? God only responds, watch this, God only does things in our lives when we decide to get off of our beloved tails and move forward and do something. You know, you can sit back and say, oh, I'm believing God. You know, I don't have any little single people here. Most of us are married except for teenagers, and, and you're not ready for marriage. That's when think about it. But, but if, a, if a person says, well, I'm believing God for a spouse, somebody who, well, what are you doing to, to, to do that, to get that? I'm believing God for a great job. This is the kind of job I want to do. Okay, then what is your plan? How are you going to get there? I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. Okay, great. Then what is your plan and how to get there? I want to have a great marriage. I'm believing God for a great marriage. Well, here's the question. What are you doing to have a great marriage? What, have you, what plan do you have in place to say, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that in order to have a great marriage? I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to exercise this year. That's a big one. But I, I, probably among the top five New Year's resolutions people make, I guess number one or two is going to be somewhere, in about, work, somewhere about working out. Am I right about it? You go to the gym, the first couple of months, it's loaded. People galore, all of a sudden, they don't show up. Because all they said was, I'm going to work out. But guess what? They did not develop, develop a plan of action. So, okay, I'm going to work out. So here's what I need to do. Plan. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go on these days. This is the time I'm going to go. This is the best time I'm going to be able to go and, and achieve that. I'm going to go with this person. I'm going to, in other words, I've developed some kind of a plan. What time, where I'm going to work out at, how often I'm going to do it. In other words, I developed some kind of strategy so then I can go and fulfill it. Most people don't do that. And I want to suggest to you that is why many people today are struggling because we don't have a plan. And Christians sometimes think that Things are just supposed to happen. How do you know things just doesn't happen? God is a planner. I want, you to, I want that to sink down into your spirits. God is a planner. And we're supposed to be like our father, right? When God created the heavens and the earth, he didn't just say, well, you know what? Um, <laughs> I like that. Oh, gosh. Now you just messed my whole head up. Now I got to get back. Okay, that, that's, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> but, but we think, what was that? God is a planner. God is a planner. But you think about it as God planned. God did not just kind of say, hmm, I think I feel like creating a, a man today. So I'm just going to drum one up real quick and drop him out there somewhere. No, God planned. God said, okay, he created the heavens and the earth, right? And then the Bible says that that he made the night and the day, and, and then he created the earth. He commanded the waters to go no further. He separated the waters and made dry ground, and he made fruit come up from the ground and seed bearing after his kind. Then he created the animals, and then he brought man on the scene, and he said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Now I want you to cultivate it. Eve came a little bit later. He said, I want you all to multiply, to multiply, to replenish your earth. In other words, God had a plan. Before God did one thing, listen to me. Before God did one thing as it relates to creation, he 
already knew what he was going to do and what he was after. God is a planner. Question I have for you this morning is, are you a planner or, or are you just reactionary? You know, most people live their lives, they live their life reacting to stuff. And so then circumstances then control us instead of us controlling the circumstances. You know, whatever will be today will be. I'm just going to kind of take it as it comes. You ever heard of anybody kind of think that way? Oh, what's your plan? I don't know. I'm just going to kind of take it as it comes. One of the things I've discovered in my own life that, boy, you can waste a whole lot of time if you don't have some kind of a plan to do something. My daughter, Destiny, she comes up all the time and she'll walk up because she just, I don't know what it is, but she, she's one of those persons. She says, I got nothing to do. And already I know that that girl is wired in such a way that there has to be some kind of agenda for her. Because if there's no agenda for that girl, she is lost. But, you know, some people are comfortable with having nothing. No plan, no goals, but yet saying, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to believe God. That's how many Christians do. That's a spiritual thing. To me, that's a big cop out. Because God made us with the ability to think and to reason he made you in his image. So we're, listen, so we're to think, we're to reason, we're to sit back, and we are to be planners. I'm going to show you from the word today what the scripture says as it relates to that. Some folks just live life shooting from the hip. You know what I mean when I say shooting from the hip? What's the difference between a, a person that, is, that shoots from the hip? They're just kind of just, you know, whatever I, whatever I feel like doing today, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, just kinda, I'll just do it, and I'll worry about the consequences later. A planner, a person that's a planner and a person that shoots from the hip. A planner, number one, a planner is a person that is disciplined. Think about it. See, this is more like a discipleship message this morning. It'll help you. It's going to help you this morning. If you get this, this will help you. This, this is a word that you can take with you and listen to over and over and over again. It's going to help you. But a planner is one that's usually disciplined. They know exactly where they're going. I love being around people that plan, people that think things through. Planners are generally, they're much more confident about life. You know why? Because I got a plan. I, I know where I'm going with this thing. I, you know, I'm not worried about anything. I thought this thing through. They are usually more happy about life. One of the things, whether, you know, and, and this is not to, to get into politics, and I, don't, I usually don't get into that, but one of the things I remember uh, when President Obama had a press conference early on in his presidency, and I forget what it was, but it was something, someone was criticizing him about his slow reaction to something. And one of the things I heard him say was, and he said it really, really bluntly, and you can tell he looked like he was a little irritated, which you usually don't see that in him a lot, but he just kind of said, well, I like to know what I'm talking about before I come up and stand and talk. And one of the things that he get criticized about was one of the things I like about him is that he think things through. He is a planner. He tries to see what it is, the next step that he's trying to make. That's the way that all of us should be as believers. Planners. Think things through. See, a person that shoots from the hip, they are usually hasty in their decision making. They, they'll say, that's, that's the person that says they'll go buy it. Now, I know none of you have never done this before. Can I, can I confess? I've done this. I've been a shooter from the hip. I have to fight it all the time. 
But a, shoot, a person that shoots from the hip, they go buy something from a store, and, and, and all, of, all when they see it, all, I, all they see is, I want it. I don't want to hear about, they're not thinking about the consequences. I worry about how to pay for it later, right now, but that will look really, really good in my house. And, and by the way, my wife really, really needs this. I mean, in fact, in fact, I've been working my tail off for so long, I really deserve this. I mean, after all these years, I mean, God did bless me with a job. I should have something nice. I don't get much for myself. But then you buy it, you go home, and you think to yourself, I shouldn't have did that. They didn't plan to do it. And what happens is then we get ourselves in over our head. It's like, ah, how did I get here? No plan. They're very impulsive. They often make decisions that they regret. They hope for the best. They don't plan for the best. There's a difference. They hope for the best. Young people, y'all hear me because I don't want y'all to get lost in all this. You are on the cusp of graduating in a couple of years. Most of you are going to be out of our house. So for praise the Lord. You got a couple more years, you know. You got a couple more years, too. We, 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 you know, we're all kind of there, but, but um, the ones that are here, you guys, you're going to be leaving. Let me ask you a question. What is your plan? Well, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. What is your plan? What's your plan? Do you have a plan? Have you written one down? Well, no, I, I just kind of, I'm just going to go to college. Okay, then what? What are you going to do in college? What are you going to major in? You, you follow me? See, these are things that we got to begin to ask ourselves that many people don't do. They just kind of live life. And, and you just like, I can remember that time when I, was, when I was in college. I was in college. All I knew is, and I thought that was good enough. I got a plan. I'm going to college. Because that was it. That was a really neat thing to say, right? What are you going to do with your life? Go to college. But I didn't have a clue of what I was doing when I went to college. I changed my major three or four times because I had no plan. Nobody sat down with me and said, Gary, you got you to plan. You got to figure out what it is you want to do in life, and then you got to chart yourself a course. I didn't do that. And because of that, boy, I made a whole lot of mistakes that had I sit down and had some kind of plan, I would have saved myself a whole bunch of headaches. We're trying to spare you guys. We're trying to spare you guys. Back in Luke chapter 14, Jesus here, no doubt, because we don't want, we don't want to assault the scriptures and take it out of context. But here in this particular passage, Jesus is talking about, in Luke, talking about in Luke chapter 14. He's talking about salvation. That if a man wants to be a disciple of Jesus, then it's going to cost you something. Salvation, they use, I've heard Tony Evans say this, so I'm just stealing his quote. He says, salvation is free, but discipleship is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you. So Jesus here is laying out the cost, if you want to follow me, if you're going to follow me, you got to think this thing through. If you want to be an effective disciple of Jesus Christ, if you want to really make a difference in the earth, and I hear people say that, Lord, I want to make a difference in the earth. I want, Lord, Lord God, I want to make a difference. What plan have, how are you going to make a difference in the earth for Jesus? I'm making you think this morning. Because we say it, don't we? Lord, I, I, I want to do something great for you. 
Okay. What? What? How do you plan to fulfill that? Jesus said, you got to sit down and count the cost. Now, now, here's the thing about this parable. I love about it because Jesus often would give parables and there are two or three different ways that you can look at it. <laughs> they're, they're principles. His parables are always loaded with principles. Principles for living. But, but look what he says here in verse number 28. Now, I want you to think about this. He says in verse 28 of Luke chapter 14, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first, watch this, and count the cost, whether he is, has enough to finish it. Uh-huh. And look at verse number 31. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Jesus presupposes that anyone that's going to sit down and they're going to build something, that you have to first sit down and count the cost whether or not you have the tools by which you can go ahead and build it. So if I want to say, okay, if I'm going to build a house, then you know, everybody, every, every, I'm not into construction, I've never been into that, but anybody that that builds a house, usually uh, they already have a design of what they call a blueprint ahead of time. They don't just start building, Brother Larry, and then say, we're just going to trust God and see how this thing come out. But that's how many of us do. We're just going to trust God. We don't know. We don't really have a plan. We don't really know what it's going to look like, but we're just going to trust God. That's mental laziness. Think about it. Here I am, a builder, and I'm going to come and Sean and do. Well, well, we want to know what you got. What, 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 what properties? What kind of house you got? What kind? Of, well, I don't know, Sean, but but uh, you just kind of we just start using. We just start building, and then uh, we just see how this thing shapes up. And, and if you like it, great. If not, then we, you know we'll just see what happens. You probably walk out and say, brother, I, I need to see a plan. I need to see what this house is going to look like. If you're telling me you're going to be, let me see. I want to know every detail, every detail of a plan. General Norman Schwarzkopf, in, in, who was the head of the, um, I believe it was Desert Storm, and I used to love to hear him talk. I first, I first heard him present, you know, when we was going through that war. Uh, we first started the war, and I, I saw, I saw him one time in a conference because, you know, I'm not a military guy. I mean, as far as knowing, I've always respected military, um, but I don't know all the details like some folks are who are more acquainted with. But I remember him standing there and he was talking about all the stuff about how I had to cut the enemy off here. We have to do We're going to have to hit him at this location and, and we're going to have to do this because they're this and that. And he went through this whole thing. And I'm sitting there listening to him like, man, I, I always thought you just go to war, just go bomb them and be done with it. And I sit there and I, you know, right? Just go drop it and, you know. But he sit there and he talked about a specific plan. And he went through it. And I'm sitting there like, man, this is impressive. So then if I'm going to go to war, nobody, no general is going to go to war, right? And just say, we're just going to go to war. No, they study their enemy. They develop a plan of attack. How they're going to get the enemy, who the enemy is, right? One thing I heard President Bush say, I think uh, um, uh, President Bush and uh, who was this defense secretary? Rumsfeld. And one of the things I heard them say was, because there's this, this another component to this thing. He said, well, um, 
we did not, uh, we underestimate or did not fully uh, gather the information as it related to the insurgency. We didn't think it would be like that. And essentially what he was saying is that there was a fault in the plan. Because see now, watch this. It's not good enough just to say, I'm going to have a plan. But watch this. The effectiveness of your plan is going to be determined by the information that you gather, the facts that you gather, the truth that you got. You know, if you want to have an effective plan, oh, I'm, going to have, I'm, going to, I'm going to have a plan. Here it is. You know, how many know that ain't no, you just can't have any old plan that's going to work. You can have a plan and it not work. So I don't want you to think that, okay, if I, if I just get a plan. Well, I mean, it's a start. You want to start there. But the effectiveness of that plan is determined by your research, your study, how you, you know, you gather all the information so then you can make the best possible decision given the circumstance. So no one goes into war. Jesus said, Jesus, no man, he, 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 Jesus is almost saying, it'd be foolish to, to think that you're going to build a house and you don't have the resources to do it. It's foolish to think that you're going to go into a war with 10,000 people and they got 20 and you're going to defeat them unless you have some. I'm not saying you can't do it with 10,000, but you, if you're going to go through, you're going to go fight an army that's twice your size, you better have some kind of plan on how you're going to defeat them. Because sheer numbers itself tells you that you're already behind the eight ball. I believe that many, many believers are the same way. Look at Proverbs chapter number 16, verse 3. Proverbs 16.3. Now, I'm going to read this in the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Proverbs. Oh, God, I just, I just, I just love this. This is, this is a good word. I gotta, I'm so excited. I got to, somebody say, Pastor, find Proverbs. I'm struggling here. Here we go. I'm excited. Look at Proverbs chapter number 16, verse number 3. It says, watch this. Commit, this is the New King James Version. I'm going to do a distinction. Commit your works to the Lord, right? Now, I want to stop right there. Commit your what? Works to the Lord. And your thoughts will be established. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts then will be established. Now, in the New Translation, the New Living Translation, I like this translation better. It says, Commit your work to the Lord, and then your plans will succeed. Commit your works to the Lord, then your plans will succeed. So watch this. Everybody look up. Listen to me. You can write this down if you want. Your work is your plan, and your plan is your work. Are you with me? Your work is your plan, and your plan is your work. So first of all, the scripture is telling me that God only bless a plan, a work. See, the Bible said the just shall live by faith. That means that we basically, in layman's terms, that means that we, need, we need to be up doing something. That means that we need to be busy. The Bible says, oh, I'm just, I'm just I'm just waiting on the Lord. And then we take scripture out of context. They that wait on the Lord shall mount up with the wings of... Well, yeah. And it's funny. In that verse, it says those who wait on the Lord, they're doing what? They're mounting up. They are doing something. It's amazing how people just twist stuff up. They that wait on the Lord, they ain't just sitting there like this, like, come on, Jesus, make stuff happen. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm going to leave you for that job. 
Somebody's going to come and call me. Somebody's going to knock on my door. I'm believing you, God. Come on, God. They that wait on the Lord will mount up with wings as eagles. They're busy. They're not sitting there just doing nothing. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts, your plans will succeed. Many people don't have a plan. And then we're trying to, now, now this is a life-changing word. And, and, but then they're trying to figure out, why am I not blessed? How come every year I keep making New Year's resolution and I stay stuck in the same place that I am every year? Nothing ever changed from my, my life. Every year I keep saying that this is going to be a better year, but I've done nothing. You, you have no plan whereby you can margin, whereby you, at least you can measure your success. Whether or not I made some progress in this. Well, God obviously is not listening to me. No, God is listening, but God expects you to have a plan. He said, commit your works. So you're already saying, I expect you to be working. I expect you to have a plan. And he said, watch, and your plans will succeed when we commit it to him. Then Proverbs 16, 9, you're already in Proverbs, but look at verse number 9. I don't know why I left there, but look at verse number 9. 16, 9, look at this. It says, a man's heart plans his ways, or his way, but the Lord direct his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Get that. So here's the thing you need to understand. So the people of God, we're to have a plan. <clears throat> So when I commit that plan to the Lord, how am I committing that plan to the Lord? Well, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be inviting God into my circumstance. So, you know, it's amazing if we invite God into stuff, how everything changes. You know, for example, if, if you and your spouse are having an argument, you ever tried this? Just say, look, let's go pray about it. And sometimes if you get so mad, well, I don't want to pray with you. But the more the minute that you put God in that situation... Things change. It's hard to maintain a bad attitude and try to talk to God. You follow me? It's hard to try to invite God into stuff. And then we continue on the same pathway. But what we, when we commit to God, what we're saying is, God, we want to invite you in on this. So then if I got a plan, say, for example, because this is a good, noble one that we all can identify with. Say, for example, Lord, I got a plan. Lord, I want to get out of debt this year. 2010 is going to be my year. I'm going to be debt free. Boy, have I heard, how many times have I heard church people say that? I just, oh, probably since I've been saved. That's another one. In the, so you got a New Year's resolution, top five or ten in the world. Then you got the top five or ten in the church. One of the ones in the church. This is my year of increase. This is my year of blessing. This is my year for debt cancellation. And you know, and I'm sorry, but I can't stomach some of that stuff I hear on TV. I just flip the channel. I, I, just, I mean, because you're telling people stuff, you're giving them, you're not telling them the truth. You have to have a plan. God will just walk around just saying, listen, if you're just waiting for one day to wake up and, and, and all your debt is going to be gone, stop dreaming. I just want to spare you. Can I be real with you? And I'm just as spiritual as the next man. I love the Lord. Been walking with him for 20 years. And he ain't never just wiped away my debt. And boy, I prayed some hard prayers. 
I've even fasted sometimes. Oh, yes, I have. God wiped this away. No, it's still there until I develop some kind of plan. They don't tell people that God's just going to cancel your debt. No, 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 no. He ain't going to cancel. He ain't going to do it that way because God don't operate that way because you borrowed the money. So you got to pay it back. That's called righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. You see how we try to drag God and stuff? No, you got to have a plan. Now, your plan, you may have to, you may have to rearrange your plan. I ain't going to be debt-free in 2010. I'm going to be debt-free in 2025. But I'm going to be debt-free. I got a plan. At least every day, every year, I know I'm, making, I'm getting closer and closer to my goal. But if I want to sit by and ask you, what is your vision for your finances? What is your vision for your home? What, you know, what, what, what is your plan to get out? Um, just keep working, keep paying. Something happened. Maybe I get a loan. I don't know. Something. Ain't nothing going to happen. You're just going to stay right there stuck. And every year, like the children of Israel, you're just going to keep roaming in the wilderness until you take the bull by the horns and say no more. We're going to sit down and we're going to iron this thing out and we're going to get a hold of this today. And we're going to develop a plan by which we can get out of this. Commit your plans to the Lord and your thoughts will succeed. So then we understand, as in Proverbs 16, a man's man, mind plan his way, but God directs his steps. So then we have to understand that God is sovereign in all of this. There's a sovereignty. You know, one of the good things about God is you never know that, that God can just come and he can just bestow a blessing on you. How many of you have ever been surprised by God? God just did something and you didn't expect it. See, the good thing, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So here's what that tells me. Okay, so then... Um, what that tells me is, yes, I'm going to have a plan. I'm to develop a plan of action. But I got to also understand, but the Lord is going to have his way. So then, now that for me is always going to be good, whether I get what I want or I don't. Because the Bible says a man's mind plan his way, but God directs his steps. So then, so then God is ultimately, if we're sincere in what we do, we're doing, we develop a good plan. God is ultimately going to have the last say-so. But, but listen to me. But wouldn't it be nice that every now and then that just something just crazy happened that God had just, uh, let's say that you had a plan and you said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, get out of debt in this time frame and here is the process by which I want to do it. And all of a sudden something happened where God just blessed you. Somebody, you know, something happened and then you end up getting like a $25,000 inheritance. You're like, oh, the Lord didn't bless me. How do you know? That's called a change of plans. Now you can go and do something different. But God will do that every now and then. But from a practical standpoint, everyday living, folks, we can't be living and getting ourselves deeper into a hole and then thinking that somehow that it's just going to happen by osmosis. Things will happen. Look, if you want to have great kids, you got to put the work in. You want to have a great marriage, you got to put the work into it. You want to have a great uh, financial situation, then you got to have good planning in order to make it happen. You got to sow some stuff. That's just the way it is. But the folks on TV, sometimes they don't tell you that. Proverbs 19.21 says, you can make, and this is a New Living Translation again, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purposes will prevail. Proverbs 16.1 says, the preparations of the heart belongs to man. Wow. 
The preparations of the heart belongs to man. So then God expects us to be preparing. Well, pastor, you're just giving me your opinion. No, I'm not. I'm giving you what the word says. That's why I love the word. The preparation of the heart belongs to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. We're to submit our ideals, we're to submit our plans, but we understand at the same time God is going to have his way in our lives because he's the captain of our lives. And God sanctions what he desires to sanction in our life. And the good thing about it is that God, sometimes it's good that God change our plan because if he didn't, boy, we've been a mess. How many of you can testify that if God didn't step in in certain times in life, your mess would be all screwed up. Your stuff would be all messed up, but God showed up and God decided to just help us out. And, 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 you know, and there's grace, but we got to stop living these illusions and stop living our lives just kind of being reactionary. Just not play, you know, just not planning out. OK, if I'm going to, you know, OK, I want to have I want to have 10 kids. Now, that's a, nobody want to do that nowadays, but I just throw that out. Well, it, yeah, OK. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. And that's a noble goal, by the way. But if you're going to have 10 kids, somebody better sit down and make a plan. How are you going to pay for them? Do you want them to go to school? I mean, I got four. 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 <laughs> and I can't keep no food in the house. I mean, it's amazing. Every time I open up the refrigerator, I just walk off frustrated. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I can't get on top. I just... It's like, I got I to gotta develop, baby, we got to do it. We got to develop some kind of plan. This ain't working. They're eating me out of the house. But you, you start to realize, okay, if I have a plan, okay, if I'm going to have, I got a plan for this. Okay, we got to think about education. We got to think about where they're going to live. We got to think about car. We got to think about uh, a whole bunch. We got we to have some kind of plan. But, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that. You know why people don't want to plan? Because they want what they want. And I don't want to think about all the other stuff. It'll just work itself out. Then, before you know it, you're at each other's throat, or you're at your own throat, or you're mad at the creditors, or you're mad at this person, you're mad at that person. And the reality is because you didn't have a plan. And one of the benefits of having a plan is it decreases the level of stress in your life. I tell you what, one of the things, boy, I tell you what, how many know it's stressful living nowadays just trying to make it? In Northern Virginia, Northern Virginia smells stress. Everything about Northern Virginia, you suck in the air, it's just stress. Everything about it. Every, every time my wife goes to places like Florida or South Carolina, you know, like you love Myrtle Beach, it's just like, oh, it just kind of... You know, just kind of, you know, just kind of relax a little bit. But some of us, we create these stressful situations and then we blame God for it. Because of our lack of planning. When the scripture clearly says that we need to plan. The preparations of, a, of the heart belongs to man. Commit your works to the Lord. Commit that. Commit your work. Commit God. Give God something to work with. <laughs> And your thoughts will be established. And then when you get, see, we don't want to commit it to the Lord because if I commit it, God might just say, now ain't the time. No. And you don't want to hear that. How many of you have done something and you know deep down in your spirit you weren't supposed to do, but you did it anyway? Almost nine times out of ten, you regretted it. And you say, I shouldn't have did it. 
I, I, I shouldn't have did it. And that's why the Bible says, watch this. And this is why we got to be careful how we live. The Bible says God is not mock. Whatsoever man sows, that shall, not might, that shall he reap. God's word is true. That's not Pastor Bailey. That's God's word. So then, I'm going to give you four quick points and we're going to be done. Four points to consider when planning. Number one, set realistic and obtainable goals. I told you this was more like a discipleship message. Okay. Set realistic and obtainable goals. For example, like I said before, if it took you 25 years to get in debt, more than likely it ain't going to take you, it's going to take you more than a year to get out. So, so first of all, get rid of this, I got to do it in this year. <laughs> and set realistic and attainable goals because, you know, sometimes we can get like, we can get like real crazy and we can set these goals that's really, really far out there that we know that it just ain't going to happen. So number one, set some realistic and obtainable goals. And then number two, develop a strategy of how you're going to get there. Develop a strategy. I don't care if it's dealing with your relationships, with your money, with your, your job, your occupation, places that you live, whatever, every aspect of your life. Plan things out. We sit down last week at, at the Hubbards, and we, sit over, we went over a plan for the year. One of the things that Diver said last week, and, um, and she said uh, she was reading this book, and she mentioned how that they, a lot of these uh, uh, ministers and ministries, they plan way ahead of time how they're going to have these conferences. We already know, for example, the conference in Virginia Beach, Wave Church, they booked that thing a year or two years in advance. They already have, have a plan of how they're going to do that. They've already planned it out. Many of us should be sitting down, we should be sitting down and saying, okay, I got a plan. I was sitting down yesterday, and I was doing my budget. I was just kind of going through it. And I looked at it. I'm telling you, if you, don't, if you haven't done a budget, do one. It scares, it scares you initially. If, you, if you're a crazy spinner, it, especially if you're impulsive. But one of the things is it shows you, like, right where you are. And it's something about, it's almost like they say, they say when you go out and when you spend money on something, you know, how that, you know, when you have the credit card, you have a checkbook, it's a lot easier to spend money. But then when you got cash in your pocket and you say, okay, after this is gone, I don't have any more. If something about your mindset changes when you know that what I have in my hand, this cash, if I spend this up, I ain't got no more. That changes the whole dynamic on how you look at finances, for an example. But we need to kind of have some kind of plan. This is not a financial seminar. I'm just using finances because we plan to have one of those later this year, but that's not what this is. But I just want to use that as an example because we all live there. We all have to deal with that on some level. So we need to develop a strategy. We need to develop a goal. A strategy and then a goal and then we need to develop a good plan. And then we need to commit to the plan. Number three, commit to it. You know, some people have real good intentions when they come to the gym. They commit to it for two months. I got this one guy that I work with. And I said, man, and he was doing good. He came up to me. He said, he said, man, he said Gary, I want to thank you. I said, what? He said, man, and he worked out for three months. And the doctor told him his blood work was all jacked up. He had all kinds of issues with his blood work. 
And uh, he came back from the doctor, and he was all sad. I remember one day looking at him, and he was worried because he had a lot of stuff going on. That he was facing, you know, possible high blood pressure and high blood sugar and diabetes, and he had all that stuff going on. So he started working out. Man, he came think, and, and, and he went back to the doctor and said everything had lowered. The blood sugar went down. The, everything looked much better. And, and he came, and he personally thanked me. But then, you know, let that joker, and I say joker, because I tell him, and I, and I jump on him all the time, he's reverted back. He, he didn't commit to the plan. He had a plan. He told me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at the gym at least two days a week. He was there three days a week. I'm going to be at the gym at this time. He was there at this time. Every day. And I would see him on the treadmill. And I would look at me, hey, get to see you, bro. Get to see you. All of a sudden, he just stopped. He got a good report from the doctor, and he reverted back. And I'm sure I hear back from him again. I mean, I'm a, and he'll tell me, he'll tell me that. He'll say, I, I know, I know. I, I, need to, I need to get in there. I, I need to do it. Because I tell him all the time, man, you need to get back in the gym or give up your membership to somebody who's going to use it. I say to him, I'm just bold like that. But point of it is, if you got a plan, stick with it. Make, write the thing out, plan, this is my plan, and then say, okay, I'm going to commit to this. I'm, I'm going to commit to it. For, the, for 2010, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick with this plan. And then, number four, be prepared to evaluate and make adjustments. Because situations and circumstances in your life do change from time to time. So you have to be prepared. Okay, then maybe the, the way I did this, I maybe need to tweak it a little bit because things have changed a little bit. Maybe that inheritance finally came through for you that you have been believing God and waiting for. And now it came through. So now I got I to make some adjustment. Now I don't have to go down the same path. I got to tweak it a little, little bit. And so be prepared. Make, make some adjustments. In other words... No matter how well you're playing, you're still going to be faced with obstacles. Yes, you're still going to have to deal with that every stuff. But the thing of it is, is you got a plan. And when you have a plan, it raises your confidence level. Your quality of life is improved. How many of you have been to work? If you're anything like me, you go to work and my desk sometimes can get, I get, sometimes I can walk in my desk. I can walk in my office and I can look at it and I just turn around and walk out and go get coffee. Because <laughs> I can't take it. Because that's, that's the way it is. That the job sometimes is just rough. And I ain't talking about dealing with stuff within the church. But walk in sometime, man, it's like, man, all this stuff. But you know what I found out is that, boy, when I sit down and I clean up my desk and I put this pile in this pile. Okay, I'll say, I'm gonna get, this is the work I'm going to get done for this week. Okay, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. And I begin to section things. I begin to clean things off. Let me tell you something. I leave out of there having a sense of feeling like I've achieved something. And you feel good when you're able to look back, like, like God said when he created the heavens and the earth. He's, he created every little facet he created. He stopped and he says, that was good. That was good. See, every day you can say, okay, I planned this. On this one. Yeah, I got that. That was good. That was a good day. Why? Because I got this done today, and this is what I set out to do. And so you feel good about yourself. But, and it all begins with what? A plan. It all begins, you know what, I just, I got to play. And boy, you feel good when you've accomplished something. You didn't just waste a day. I, one of the things I hate is just wasting time. I hate it because I feel like I don't have much of it. I've already, see, I just started the third quarter of my life. I don't feel like I have a whole lot of time to be wasted. You don't have a whole lot of time to be wasted. But the Lord's distressing your life 
when you have a plan and then you gain control. You gain control over your life instead of your life controlling you. You gain control. You don't, you don't let your appetite wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning and have a bowl of ice cream. I'm taking control of my life. I'm developing a plan. Okay, at this time, I am not going to eat after 7 o'clock. I'm not going to have any cakes. And That's a good plan, a good place for some of us to start. I know it's for me. I've been looking at my, it's funny. I walk in the closet today. I'm talking about myself right now. This is, this is, this is solid, the truth. And, and, I'm, and I'm starting to wonder, you know how you start, I'm, all my clothes, I'm like, none of my clothes fit no more. So I, then I tried to blame it on the fact that they're old and perhaps because they've been going in the cleaner so much, they kind of shrink up. That's what I'm telling myself. But I'm looking in the closet, and I notice that most of my stuff is starting to tighten up. And I'm like, man, you know, and so Peggy brought, my wife, my dear wife went and bought me some nice sweaters, right, from somewhere. And they were good-looking sweaters. But it's the same side that she got me for years. It was, uh, I think it was an extra large. I've always done that. Well, I put that on. I said, baby, I said, uh, you know, uh, these are too small. I mean, we really want to make them last longer. So we need to buy them a couple size bigger, you know. And I was trying to do it in a way because I knew, because she knew what was the deal. But I, want, I didn't want to hear her give me any lip. But she did anyway. And she said, well, honey, you need to lose weight because you're gaining. I said, well, thank you very, very much. Um, so I'm in there, and I'm thinking, you know, so, you know I got I to change. I can't, some of us keep doing the same thing, and then we expect a different result. You got to change. If you want something to be different, change something. So I said, well, look, I can't eat the way I've been eating. And, and, and this thing I love, this, what is it? This uh, uh, coconut, no, it's a um, uh, Oreo uh, cream pie from, uh, who is that lady? And, Sarah Lee. Sarah Lee, God, she gonna, she's in heaven. She's going to cook in heaven, I'm telling you. She's going to be the baker in heaven. There ain't no question about it. That's a gift. I'm going to find her when I get to heaven because I don't have to worry about the calories then. But, but they got this fight. And bro, I'll sit there and I'll just, at night, and I'll be, you know, I'm like, man. And i get like one piece, man. Man, that was good. And it seemed like it's light. You try to, you know, but it's not really light. It's heavy. But then I eat a little bit. And that's how I know, man, I'm, I'm hitting him. I'm like, did he just, did he just finish? I said, yeah, but that was a small piece. <laughs> so, so now we don't realize I'm having to do, you know what? I got to develop a plan to lose weight. I can't keep saying, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to lose weight. Well, what are you going to do? You can't keep eating like you're eating. You got to change the time. You got to change what you eat. So, then, so in the morning now, I, I can't have my, my donuts. You better not say anything. I can't have my donuts. Uh, you know, in the morning. Every now and then I'll get one of those donuts going in, you know, those, those, those uh, cream things. I can't do that no more. So now I've gone to the oatmeal thing. Suffering, brother. Suffering. But I feel much lighter, and I've, I've lost, you may have not noticed, but I lost a couple pounds. See, this jacket is a little tight, but it's going to get loose again. I'm, I'm losing. But I'm developing a plan. I'm saying, I'm, I'm going to do this. I was sitting there doing my budget yesterday, looking at my stuff. I'm like, boy, you got to tighten this up. You got to tighten it up. This is, this is going to be a problem. You need to work on this. And I was like, oh, gosh. So I develop a plan. I want you to develop a plan. Leave this place today saying, okay, think about every aspect of your life. And then sit down by yourself or with your husband or with your spouse. Or say, okay, honey, we're going to develop a plan. This is what we're going to do. We got, we got to deal with this. We got to deal, okay, we're going to, here's a plan for it. I'm telling you, your life would be so much better if you develop a plan.
and you stick to the plan. And you say, Lord, speak to us and show us what we need to do so that we can stay on course and make progress along the way. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to your feet.